Greetings in Jesus' name to each one here this morning. The one that loves us with a perfect love. That is a real blessing, a gift from Him. You know, as child of children of the King, you know, we desire to follow Him. We desire to give Him glory in our lives. And that's a real challenge, a real opportunity we have. And we always want to please Him and we want to serve Him and obey Him. And well, that makes for cheerful children. And what a tremendous blessing it He lives within us as we follow Him. And but there's some basic things that we need to always remember for him to reside within us. And you'll be saying, uh, ye are the light of the world. And I really think, you know, if we just, if we let Jesus work in our lives and change us into his glory, we will be lights. It, uh, it isn't uh, that we really desire to be lights. If we follow him faithfully, we will be the light of the world. And that's a tremendous opportunity and a blessing to, to radiate of Jesus. Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2, that's where I'd like to start. The Lord has laid a message on my heart that actually speaks close to, to me. Uh, in my own fleshly self, I am not this. I'll just say it the way it is. And I hope you are uh, this kind of a person. And so, but this is something, it's just amazing what Jesus can do in our lives because you can be that, such and such and such and such. And, you know, when he comes to your life, he can make you into his image. And that, that takes, that's a real process. There's a lot of compliance and surrender and giving up. But it's a good life. Uh, it's a good life to be able to have his presence with uh, us and to help us be like him. Isaiah 66, verses 1 and 2, where it says, And thus saith the Lord, The heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. Where is the house that ye have built unto me? And where is the place of my rest? For all those things hath my hand made, but all these things have been, saith the Lord, but to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit and trembleth at my word. It's interesting to notice, you know, God built this house. He built the temple and he built the earth. And you know what? Uh, the earth... Uh, radiates of the presence of God. The heavens declare the glory of God. And you don't really have any option. You know, It's made by God, and it's made for Him, and it draws mankind to Him if they can think clear. A lot of people can't think clear anymore, but we can, praise God. We can, we can think clear, and we can see God all around us. What a blessing. And He made the temple, and I know the temple was beautiful and ornate and lovely, but uh, you know... And so people say, oh, that's a wonderful thing. And it gave, you know, they, they would thought a lot of the temple. But he said, look, he said, I'm going to look for, to a man. And, and I'm, I'm going to look for uh, a man, even a man, a special type of person. And he said, what can I, this man will I look for? I'm going to look for. And the NIV says regard. This man will I regard. An amplified Bible says look and have regard. And so he's going to look and he's going to find a certain type of man. And it's one he can work with. It's one he can speak through. It's one he can change. And one he can use. And they're very special because they have the presence of God in their lives. And uh, that, that's what he wants. He wants a man that'll stand in the gap and is of a poor and a contrite spirit. 
What a tremendous blessing. And then it goes on to say that this man, and it shows that, you know, how does a poor and a contrite spirit show? Well, we're going to look at that a little bit this morning. And trembleth at my word. Um, now they in age when the authority of the word is being undermined and questioned constantly, God's going to find a few good saints and say, look, God said it and he means it. You know, it, it, he, he, he understands our problems in 2021. And as they still meet our needs, he's not irrelevant to man's needs today. In fact, he is so much more relevant that we don't even see half the big picture, okay? It's amazing what man thinks they know, and God got to be must be thinking, that poor man, he is so, and I don't want to describe, but I think he would say maybe simple, a little bit lacking, you know, because he says, look, you know, if you read the word and you're standing in awe of him that trembleth at my word, uh, tremble means fearful and reverential. And I praise God, we as saints, the more we read, the more we understand a couple things, the awesomeness and the sovereignness of God. You'll see it time and time. If you read the word of God and you just want to get a picture of God, you will know he's sovereign. He said what was going to happen to Israel and it happened. It happened just like he said. Always is. And you know what? What happened last year and this year was not a bit out of his control either. It's the sovereignness of God. Do you know why? No, we don't. But God does, and we can rest in that. We can rest, and that's a beautiful thing. We can rest in that. Because we, uh, we are those that tremble at the word of God. No wonder Psalms 119, 161b says, My heart standeth in awe of thy word. And I think it's beautiful. I think when you read the word of God, you go, that's the way we should have that mentality. Lord, it just feeds my soul. This is beyond my comprehension. But Lord, help me understand some things. Because you know one thing? He said, you know, then you read the word of God and you're soaking it up. You're taking it as your map, as your guidelines, principles to live by. And you want to do it. And it's a privilege for us as Christians. That's one of the basic principles and evidences of a broken and contrite heart. People that argue against the word are people that God wants to work with. They need to be broken. And, but we can be that. See, brokenness is a heart condition that shows in appetites for Jesus. That's brokenness. Because man, mankind is born mighty selfish. You can see it in children. The first time they play with a toy and they want their friend's toys. Selfishness is born in the system right from the get-go. And, and and But you know what? We don't have to be that way. See, it's a posture of the heart. And it takes, uh, and, and, when, and when we anticipate God's word, then we read, we look forward to it with a great desire to, to learn, to follow, and to know more. It makes daily devotions and Bible preaching meaningful. You know, people say, oh, my devotions are lagging. Well, that can happen. The devil wants that to happen. But I tell you, friends, when we, we tremble God's word, we live in awe of his word, and we want to live thereby and grow thereby, it makes daily devotions interesting and meaningful. And so, and the same about with good preaching. Now for the text. That was all just a preamble, if you don't mind. Uh, Psalm, no, excuse me, Psalm 34, 18. 
Psalm 34, 18 is the text for the message. Where it says, The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart, and save as such as be of a contrite spirit. It's the goodness of the Lord that He wants to save you. He wants to, you to experience the new birth. And I know there's many Christians here this morning, and so we, but I don't think that our new birth experience and our walk with God should ever become mundane and routine, okay? It's a privilege to be a child of God. Amen? That is a fact. Because there's a lot of people that aren't born again that really they're searching for something, and it's Jesus. And if we have Jesus, we're born again, and we're following Him faithfully, we have Jesus. I'm telling you, that doesn't get old. That's fresh every morning. <laughs> what a tremendous blessing we can be that way. Yes, so I'm going to look at this as uh, in two parts. He saveth such that be of a contrite spirit, and then also he's nigh to them that are of a broken heart. The title of the message is A Broken Heart and a Contrite Spirit. And, it, and I'm just glad that God cares about us so much, that he cares about you, each, each and every individual on the face of the earth, that he wants them to experience the new birth in their lives, and and he says, I want to dwell in them as corrupt and selfish and, and vile as we are in our carnal nature before we come to Jesus. And yet he says, I want to clean them up and, and, and I want them to be sorry. I want them to have a contrite spirit so I can save them because proud people aren't saved. It's a contrite spirit that gets saved. And, and so they want to walk with him. The Amplified says it this way, The Lord is close to those who are of a broken heart and save as such as are crushed with sorrow of sin and are humbly and thoroughly penitent. I thought that's a pretty good description. I know the Amplified Bible is just descriptive, okay? It's not really uh, totally inspired, but man put some great graphic words in there. And so... He saves such that are crushed. Now, if you think about crushed, that's not destroyed, okay? Well, you know, uh, in other words, he didn't destroy us. But, you know, when we see our sin as Jesus sees it, and God does, I think we should be tremendously humbled that he wants to walk with me. He wants to redeem every, every person born on the face of the earth. Irregardless how vile and corrupt he was, and corrupt they are, but you know what? Even if they aren't vile and living in immorality or a drunk, you know what? Everybody needs Jesus. Everybody needs Jesus, and I praise God. Jesus wants to 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 redeem everybody back to Him, and that's beautiful. But you can't come there on arrogance. We don't come there on our own terms. And I praise God that you didn't because we'd all walk different paths and we'd all be a, a bother to Him and to each other. And He, because He wants to sanctify us. And it comes at the cross of Calvary and Jesus. And so we come there realizing 
our decrepitness, our neediness uh, uh, to be cleaned up, redeemed, and cleansed by the blood of Jesus. We realize that. We want self out of the way. We get tired of self. If you ever get tired, you get, you get around people and they're so self-centered, you get tired of them. And I wonder what God thinks of us when we're selfish people. Uh, you know, everybody's born with a lot of self involved. A lot of self. You see, you look at the world around, they're full of self. And that's why actually social media is doing so well. It's full of self. And the more of self there is, the more things grow in the world. And you know what? Christians don't want that. They see self can be crucified at the cross of Calvary. Praise God. They live a higher lifestyle, one for Jesus, one for his glory. See, they're crushed. It, it makes them very humbled and regretful of their waywardness that they lived. They're humbled by that. They're really humbled by that. They're, they're the kind that Jesus said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God. That's correct. Yeah, when we're poor and we realize how much we need Him, then theirs is the kingdom of God. That's a real blessing. Because we realize our sinful nature and we're remorseful about uh, the way we lived. And we don't, we don't want to be that. We see the awfulness of sin. And that's losing. You, the world doesn't see that. And many times, Christianum has lost the awfulness of sin. And, and you know what? When we see our sin as God sees it, we have contrition. We're remorseful. We want to repent. How about being a pack of Christians that want to repent? That's beautiful before Jesus. Because they're saying they realize that their sin has separated them from fellowship in Jesus. And that's the way every sin is, may I add. It don't matter if you can, we can excuse it because the devil always gives us excuses or gives us reasons why I responded that way. You know, and I didn't, whatever it is. You know, and I just slipped up that way. And he gives us excuses and he said, God says, that's your sin and I want to forgive you through the blood of Jesus. And that's a privilege. That's a privilege. You don't deserve it, but he gives it to you because he loves you. And he wants you to maintain your fellowship with him. And he wants you to have it with him. What a tremendous blessing. Normal people want to be saved. Normal people want to be born again. I'm not sure how many normal people are in America anymore. I'm starting to wonder. But normal people want to be born again. That's why they do all kinds of things to fill in the void that Jesus can give us. Okay? And I praise God for that. Uh, that he wants to speak to us. If we realize our sinful nature and are remorseful about the awfulness of sin, there's lots of hope because we can be born again. Ephesians 2, 1 to 10. This talks about what we were in the past and what we can be and are in Christ Jesus. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation, uh, or we were conducted ourselves a lifestyle in time past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. And that's the way every person is. It's a come of age of accountability, and they don't accept Jesus. They fit in this bracket. 
And it's totally outside of the will of God. They walk according to what they want. They live for what they want. They live for more things and more stuff. And they're selfish. They're disobedient. And and it, they were by nature. Puts them in a position that's dreadful. Every sinner is in this bracket. And we're by nature the children of wrath, even as others. They might not like it, and they might not realize it, but they're under the wrath of God. They're under the wrath of God. And that's a serious thing. It's a serious thing. Because if it just stopped in this life, it would be less serious. But it continues for all eternity in hellfire. But he doesn't stop there. He just puts a sinner where they're at. And that's, that's the main thing. When we are not born again, or if we're living in sin, which it's, it's, it's a little bit easier to do that. It's pretty easy to do that. You know, we got to realize where we're at and what that sin, how, that, how God sees sin today. You know, why is, why is it changed that sin is not exceedingly sinful anymore? Why has that changed? Well, maybe we aren't trembling at his word like we should. Maybe we don't live in all his word. I hope we do. Well, I want to be a band of believers that do that because it's pleasing to God. But it don't stop there. Don't say, okay, now you're living under the wrath of God. You're living under constant conviction. And that can happen. Let me tell you, when we're living in sin, the Holy Spirit does speak to us, and that's a gift from God. Wouldn't it be a terrible thing to sin and not have any conviction and feel okay? That'd be awful. Some people act that way, but I know God is faithful, okay? When we're living in sin, he just don't let us slide just living in sin like there's nothing to it. He cares about the way we walk. He cares that he has residency in our lives. And he loves to purify us. He loves to cleanse our lives. He loves to forgive us through the blood of Jesus. He loves that, but that's God's gift to us when we respond correctly. So it goes on to verse 4. Where it says, but God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, and he sure did. Even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace are ye, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his glory in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For ye are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. That's a beautiful passage. A contrite person is willing to see themselves as they are before God. What a blessing. Not easy, but very true. A contrite person is willing to see themselves as they are before God. In other words, God speaks to them. A, a broken person will not minimize sin. They care about it. They, they see it as, as they are. And we see that in verses, uh, verse 3 there. They will not minimize sin. They're sorry for sin. They, they want to change. And, and, and you know what? They're so glad that he said plainly, if we confess our sins, he is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. They're willing to do that time and time 
and time again. See, you know, we're a little slow to forgive, but Jesus is never slow to forgive the truly penitent sinner. He's, he, he loves us to come back. He loves us. So we want to confess our sins because we realize that we are guilty. We violated the will of God in our lives. And, uh, and we don't want to live under condemnation of the Holy Spirit. We want to live where there's no condemnation. It means I am open. I'm being open and honest before God. I'm willing to see my sin as He sees it. I'm willing to be confessing. I want to be contrite. And I want to be repentant. Yes, a contrite spirit, Lord. That's what we want. So we need cleansing. We need forgiveness. And we have faith. For by grace are you saved through faith. We have faith that Jesus will do that for me time and time again. And it's, it's a tremendous blessing. And then he can just radiate through us. You know what? You'll be the light of the world if you live this lifestyle. You don't have to toot your horn. Jesus will shine through you. No wonder it says in 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 where it says, What? Know ye not? that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which ye have of God, and you're not your own. See, the world lives in such a way they own, they run their own lives in a shipwreck before God. We're God's and you're not your own. How is this explained? For you are bought with a price, Jesus' blood. Therefore glorify God in your body, and in your spirit, which are God's. Isn't that wonderful? So this person walks a pathway that's totally different. They get up on Monday morning and they're saying, Lord, what do you want me to do today? Who do you want me to speak to? I know you want me to be a saint and glorify you by, by my gentle, loving, sanctified spirit. And is that what they what say of us when we wake up on Monday morning on the wrong side of bed? I mean, let's wake up on the right side, excuse me, but sometimes we get up somehow on the wrong side. And he said, look, let me tell you. Okay, he's saying, actually, this is not partnership, it's ownership. Holy Spirit ownership. And that's totally different. It's not a partnership. Because partners, we like to think this is kind of Partners, I've been in partnership relationships, and you know what? I had equal say. This is a partnership where we don't have equal say. God, Jesus, and the Spirit has all the say. Like that? That's beautiful. Now, that'll make you the light of the world. That'll make you the light of the world right there. That'll really work. You know, there's so many times we like to be co-drivers. And, uh, you know, my children, I have a few children. They all need to learn how to drive. And uh, we would sit beside them for a while, and they need lots of help. They're going down the road, and they're going into a corner about 55, and you should be going about 35. You say, whoa, hit the brakes, slow down. They needed a co-driver, you know. And, uh, and sometimes I think maybe that's the way I am a little bit, or I'm tempted to be on the journey of life spiritually, you know. I don't think I like this trail, Lord, that you're leading me on. It's a little rough, and I don't really like everything I'm getting myself into. And uh, could, could we find a nicer trail? You know, could we go down a nicer road? Well, if you're, the fir you're not the first one that said that, if you're tempted to do that. And uh, I found out, you know, some people like to sit in the back seat 
and tell Jesus what to do. You're not a co-driver in the back seat and they're giving him a lot of advice. Uh, if you want a miserable trip, be the driver of a car and have somebody in the back seat telling you everything you're doing wrong. And you'll have a miserable trip if you're the driver. Well, you know what? I don't know how all this works. But one thing I do know, I think Jesus wants you in the trunk. There's no advice. You don't even have to even see where you're going. You live by faith. And you know it's going to be a good trip because the driver knows everything. He knows life better than you know yourself. And you got, I don't, I, and there won't be any air conditioner or heater in there either. And you're just saying, Lord, this is good. I like it here in the trunk. I wonder how many of us that Jesus would say that to you about. See, that, that's a broken person. That's one that to totally trusts Jesus in everything in life. They're not, beside, they're not a co-driver. They're not a backseat driver. They're in the trunk. And that's where Jesus can let you shine. Can let you shine. That's beautiful. But it's hard to get there, friends. It's hard to get there. In fact, I wonder if a lot of Christians ever get there. I wonder. Well, as far as needing a sense of direction, that's where we need to be. Now, as far as comfort in him walking with us, I think we like a little bit more intimacy than a, and fellowship than a driver and a trunk experience. But I must admit, I like uh, C.S. Lewis is a pretty interesting writer, and you probably read a good bit about him. He says things in a dramatic way, probably a little stronger than I would say, but he gets the point out. I think, I mean, it's hard to miss the point when he writes, actually. I like to read a little bit that he said about the Christian life, how it is. He said, the Christian way is different, harder, and easier. Christ says, give me all. I don't want so much of your time and so much of your money or so much of your work. I want you. Now, that's plain English, right? Okay, we're getting adrift here. And this is the way a broken person lives. I have not come to torment your natural carnal self. I'll add a little bit to make sure we understand what it means, but to kill it. Hmm. That would be a trunk experience, wouldn't it? Yeah. No half-hearted measures are any good. I don't want to cut off a branch here or a branch there. I want to have the whole tree down. I don't want to drill the tooth or crown it or stop it, whatever that means. I want to have it out. Getting the drift? That's, yeah. Hand over the whole natural carnal self, all the desires which you think innocent, as well as the ones that you know that are wicked, the whole outfit, and I will give you me instead. In fact, I'll give you myself. My own will shall be yours. Isn't that beautiful the way it ends? Do you realize how much pain is written in this thing, in the journey? You know, what if when he spoke, I'd say, Lord, that is my carnal self. I don't want anything to do with that. I want it out! Okay. Wouldn't that be beautiful before God? But that's pretty challenging for us as Christians. I'd say it's pretty challenging. That's why I said this, this thing speaks to me because that, that, that's a real spiritual process that just don't come but so easy. Because we like ourselves. We like our pleasures. We like our comforts. We like our hobbies. And whatever the list may go. You know what I mean? And you know, he says, you know what? I'm going to radiate through you in a real way that shines of me, not of self. And that's a beautiful saint. And God's saying, you know what? I'm up there looking for this kind of person. 
And you know what? You can be that kind of person. But it's going to take a special spirit within your heart. You're going to say, I'm going to be broken and contrary. I'm not, it's this, my will, my thoughts are out. I'm in the trunk. What you say is going to go. We're, 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 you are driving the car in all ways. I want a journey that blesses Jesus. I want to be totally his. My, that's beautiful. A contrite spirit God loves. Well, the Lord is nigh. We're going to the second point. I see the time keeps moving. I like to think we was in eternity, but we've got to keep moving. The Lord is nigh to them that are of a broken heart. What a tremendous blessing. We can be that way. A broken heart. Psalms 147.3 says, He healeth the broken in heart and bindeth up their wounds. What a tremendous blessing. We have spiritual wounds many times from our own doings or carnalities. And Jesus says, I want to heal those. The broken heart. God heals the broken heart because the humbleness shows in when they sin or wrongs are exposed and they have a godly sorrow and they want a true and clear repentance. They want to be cleansed and purified by the blood of Jesus. Brokenness shows in a quick response to the Holy Spirit's conviction. Not debating or denying or delaying anything. See, procrastination is the devil's tool for justification of the wrong. We want to be open to this claim in our lives. Yes, I believe a healthy part of worship is spoken of in James 5, 16. Confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. We may think, well, if I confess that little thing or I confess my sin, you know, it's going to be kind of embarrassing. You know, they actually did that. You know, for a Christian, sin is a little embarrassing. It should be embarrassing. Because when you think about it, Jesus has given each one of us as Christians the strength to be victorious over every temptation. You agree with that? That's right. He gives us the strength to be victorious over every temptation. And so when I sin... I have not availed myself to the grace and strength that Jesus has given me. And it's, it's wonderful to think that I can live victorious in him. And so it is kind of embarrassing. It is humbling to realize that I have sinned and, and, and I need to confess my sins. Brokenness gives us the, the freedom to deal with sin. Brokenness gives us the freedom to let God deal with my sin, okay? In other words, if we cover up sin, which is very tempting, or excuse sin, it's a pure sign of pride and not brokenness. See, the Lord is nigh unto those that have a broken heart. Meaning, if it's proud, it's defensive, and it won't acknowledge wrongs, God is not there. He's knocking from the outside. He's knocking from the outside. Brokenness gives us the freedom to be honest about ourselves. And that's somewhat scary too. 
But we might as well be, because God knows our hearts. And it's a blessing then, and if we're open and honest then, it's a blessing to have fellowship with God and then be His faithful children. <clears throat> Let's read a few verses from Romans 6. It's okay. Romans 6, verses 3 to 9, where it says, No, you're not. As many as you that were baptized in Christ Jesus were baptized into His death. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so you also shall walk in newness of life. And if you have been planted together in his likeness of his death, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with him, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more, death hath no more dominion over him. So we see here that the blessedness of walking in newness of life. And that newness of life is eternal life. Born again children, walking faithfully and open to him, uh, receiving his spirit into our lives, his Holy Spirit, to enable us to be faithful to him. He's our comforter and he's our strengthener and he loves us. That's newness of life in Christ Jesus. What a blessing. This is more than broke, just brokenness for our sin. It's brokenness in our spirit and our will. Selfishness needs to go. Selfishness needs to go to walk in newness of life. Ego needs to go. Me needs to go. Sometimes you've been around a person who just talks a lot about me. I mean, they can tell you, yeah, how's it going? And they'll just go off about me and me and me and me and me. Well, see, Jesus can change that. You know, a lot of times mankind thinks that they're in charge. Like they're as if we are in charge, you know. Well, you know, we're not in charge. We're not to be self-centeredness. Brokenness is God's solution to pride. And it's a blessing we can have that. Brokenness shows in much humility. You know, I've never been much of a horseman, but I think they're beautiful. I do think they're lovely animals. And a, ho a, a horse is a lovely thing, running around in a pasture, majestic and lovely. But unless that horse is broken, all it is is just a lovely animal that eats grass. And they don't get enough glory uh, uh, to others, it's just glory to themselves. Broken horses can be guided, they're obedient. They don't ride down the fence. They don't tear down fences. And guess what? You can team them up with another horse, and they're cooperative. They work with other horses. See, an unbroken horse rails on the fence and tries to jump over the fence. Yeah, you see that in Christianity. Other horses can't be, unbroken horses cannot be teamed up with other Christians and work along with them got to have it their way yeah 
that, that, that they can't be guided. They're not in the trunk. They're on the side seat. And by the way, the driver would say, they have more say than I do. This trip is going the way the, the co-driver's doing. That's what unbroken horses look like. Yeah. Yeah, see, there's a lot of difference between a broken horse and an unbroken horse. And there's a lot of difference between a broken Christian and an unbroken person. There's a lot of difference. Yeah. I'm so glad that God can make us assets in his kingdom. Easy to like. I like to be around people that are easy to be liked. You know, be around those. That's a broken person. They're not talking about themselves all the time. Life isn't all about them. They're easy to get along with. You know, they they got Christ's spirit of meekness and they're group, they're brotherhood oriented. You know, they want to fit in. They're not, they're not there trying to tear down God's word or even the standards of the church. They're not trying to do that. They're, they're um, you know, they're easy to talk with and they're easy even to admonish. I know that don't happen much, but they're easy to exhort, encourage, you know? It's wonderful to realize that God can take an unfit vessel of clay and break it to pieces. And I hope that's what happened when you were born again. Just broke it, everything up. Your, your, your dreams of prosperity and whatever goes just tore up and mold it back up together. Pitch out a few lumps every now and then. It, you know, just, it forms a pinch and there's a few of them. Just get rid of those, okay? It's a real process. And guess what? You can see the master's hand shaping a beautiful vessel. And you know what? It radiates of the glory of the one molding them. The one molding them gets the glory. It's a beautiful vessel for Jesus. Taking out the lumps. They're surrendered. They, they, they love Jesus. This thing, their, their life isn't centered around me. It's centered around Jesus. They choose to be broken. It's a choice. They choose. And you may have chose that five years ago, but sometimes we have to recommit to that. It just don't re choose to be broken. Yes, 1 Timothy 2, 21 and 22. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor sanctified and meet for the master's use and prepared for every good work. See, Jesus can use this person whatever it takes. Whatever, you know, if he wants to put the hand on a different place on this vessel and he wants to shape it a little different, he can do that way. They're going to just whatever you say, Jesus, we're going to do. This warns us some things. Flee also useful lust. Oh, so they still backing? Yeah. The old carnal nature still beckons. We said flee those. But follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. When it's broken, the Lord is nigh unto those people. The Lord lives within the heart of a broken person. Now what it says in James 4 verse 8, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. And every saint wants that we must have the presence of Jesus with us to have a meaningful, beautiful, meaningful 
God-glorifying life. We want Him in our lives. We want Him radiating. Draw nigh to God and He will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Thank God we can choose to be broken so that we can radiate of His presence and glory. God bless you in doing that.